Jesus, you're the center of my joy. unto you shall the gathering of your people be. Thank you for taking preeminence in this meeting. We ask in every life that is present in this place that you do that which eyes have not seen, that which ears have not heard, that which has not even begun to enter into the hearts of man. And your name and your name alone will be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. Honor and glory we give unto you. Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Three weeks ago, we started this series called Breaking, titled Breaking the Ice. And at the first week, we explained that Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And we explained that he, what he actually meant was, I will build my gathering, my community of, of, of people, my congregation, my ecclesia, and all the powers of hell will not be able to withstand the church, what, is, what has now been known as the church. Praise the name of the Lord. And Jesus, the same Jesus said to us, go and preach the gospel to all creatures. You know, make disciples of every nation. So every follower of Christ has a mandate to reproduce. Every believer has a mandate to reproduce. Reproduce other believers. And we explain that the power of um, evangelism, as it is known, it is, is not in the volume of scripture that you know. It's not in the volume of scripture that you and I know, but in the person of Jesus that we know. So the power of evangelism is not in the volume of scriptures that you know. It is in the person of Jesus that you know. So don't feel, oh, because I've not gone to Bible college, or I've not, I don't know, Genesis to Revelations, you know, so I cannot be an effective witness. No. The key thing you should know, the key person you should know, is Jesus. So evangelism is not so much as in cramming stuff and downloading it at people, but it is listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and just yielding yourself to the Holy Spirit. And last week we explained how not to evangelize. In fact, we had a video, um, the drama team came up with a video that, you know, dramatizes how not to evangelize. The effective way to evangelize, in other words, the effective way to connect people that are far from God to God is to live in 3D. We explained what it is to live in 3D. 
And we explained that living in 3D means that, number one, we consistently develop friendships, then we discover stories, and we discern the appropriate next steps. If you missed the service, please, please get the CD, and God will help you in Jesus' name. So living in 3D is very effective, it's stressless. And at the end of the day, the name of Jesus is glorified. The very people you prayed for earlier on, you need to put on your 3D glasses, as it were, and look at them. Am I, where is my friendship with this person? Am I discovering this person's story? Am I, what is the appropriate next step? Is the appropriate next step to give them a book, a CD, invite them to church, invite them to fellowship, or is it time to break the ice to talk about Jesus directly? Praise the Lord. And today, that is what we are going to look at when it comes to the power of stories, how to use the power of stories to be effective in winning people to Christ. Now, if you are driving and all of a sudden, let's say, you're on the you just woke up in the morning. It usually happens before you drive. It usually happens early hours in the mornings. The ones that have happened in the past <laughs> or in the evenings. And you put on your radio and you hear bang, 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 bang. Hello, Nigerians. <laughs> what comes to your mind immediately? Some people are too young, they don't even know what we are talking about. <laughs> Praise the Lord. If you hear, you come to church and pastor says, the God to do again service is going to be next month. What comes to your mind immediately? Fasting. <laughs> Fasting starts. You know? And um, I did say in the first service, I'm going to say it again, but that kind of brought different emotions. You know? If you hear someone say, Pounded yam and a goosey soup. Somebody whistled. <laughs> what comes to your mind immediately? For some people, it's hunger. For some people, it's disgust. You know, because one man's food is another man's poison. Now, when you hear the word born again Christian, what comes to your mind? What comes to your mind? Now, I, I wish we could run a scanner through this whole community, the whole Lekki and his environment. I wish we could run a scanner and get what comes to people's mind. People in the secular world, people in the banks, in the schools, in the, in the, in the businesses, in, in, on the street, what comes to their mind when they hear the word born again Christian? Truth is, for a lot of people, the word, when they hear the word born-again Christian, they think of hypocrites, liars, cheats, click. They just have their click and they don't reach out to us. We are going to hell. They are the ones going to heaven. Now, don't get me wrong, I, 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 my heart bleeds to even think that that is what is, is, is happening, I mean, at the moment. I would love for, for, for it to be when they hear the word born again Christian, what should come to their mind? Integrity. Since these people, you can put them in charge of your money and go to sleep. 
But you see, that was how it was like a few years ago. In this station, people wanted to employ who? Born again Christians. I mean, do you guys remember those days? But right in my very eyes, in less than 10 years, I saw all that change. When people think of born again Christians, people should think of people that have compassion for the poor, people that will take up and speak for the voiceless, take up courses and speak for the voiceless. People should think of love. People should say, born again Christians, oh, I love them so much, they like to play soccer. I knew you guys would get it. Second, first service people were bland. <laughs> I knew you guys would get it. Now, they love to play soccer. Now, the key thing here is what if God will show you and I a way of changing that story to when, from when people hear born again Christian, at least in our community, they think integrity. Would you be interested in that journey? Praise the name of the Lord. When people hear born again Christian, they think reliability. And that is what brings glory to God. That's what brings glory to God. Everything else is not the amount of prayer you can pray. It's not how you shout when you are praying. It's how you live in your business, in your homes. Praise the name of the Lord. That brings glory to God. The ultimate purpose, you know, we are all here, we are all different, very, 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 very different. But the ultimate purpose of your destiny and my destiny is to, is to what? Connect people to God. That's it. You may be um, the CEO of the biggest multinational in Nigeria. Say amen. amen. You may be a housewife. You may be a driver. You may be a steward. Your greatest purpose of that destiny is to bring people to God. That's the greatest purpose of that destiny. And God is all about that. Imagine if people would say, oh, God's favorite house, those people, you should hear them talk about their God. They are so fired up when they talk about Jesus. They are so pumped when they talk about what Jesus has done for them. In fact, I just feel like joining them. Say amen. <laughs> Told the story before of uh, uh, Max Lucado. Max Lucado is a writer, is a pastor. Says when he joined, he went to Brazil on a mission trip. He didn't know anything about soccer. And he thinks, he thought that soccer was a boring sport. He went to Brazil and he saw hundreds of thousands of people trooping to Maracana Stadium, excited. And he's like, these people are crazy. The same way people that don't watch the Premier League look at the people that watch the Premier League and think they are crazy. Year one, year two, over time, the same person said, this thing that they are going to watch, let me even go and see. So he went to Barakana Stadium as a skeptic. And he said, by the time he was returning back to the U.S., after I don't know how many years, he had become a soccer fanatic. He couldn't understand why anybody would not love soccer. What was the difference? What changed, what changed him? The influence of the people that are passionate about soccer. That is all. That is all. That is all. God wants the people around you to 
Some people have shut their minds at God around you. God wants them to reconsider him because of you. Praise the name of the Lord. God, God wants them to say, that, well, maybe this God thing is, is real because of your lives. So two main questions we're going to answer today are, how do I talk about God in a way that is full of clarity and passion? How do I talk about God in a way that is full of clarity and passion? Number two, how do I convey my personal salvation story, my faith story, in a way that is humble and interesting? And the simple answer to that is stories. Everybody say stories. Jesus always taught with stories. Jesus always taught with stories. Stories. To answer the first question, God has a story. You and I must learn how to tell it. How do I talk about God in a way that is full of clarity and compassion? It's simple. Learn to tell the story of God. God's story. God has a story. How do I tell my own, share my own faith in a way that is humble, not condescending, yet passionate. You have a story. Everybody say, I have a story. You have a story. You need to learn how to tell your own story. You need to learn how to tell your own story. Let's start with God's story. God has a story. And God says, you see, it's one of the challenges, or one of the things you begin to learn as a pastor is that people really need divine intervention, including yourself. Praise the Lord. People really do need divine intervention. And God has said to us, I will give you powers to trample upon serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of what? Of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing. God says, I will give you power to trample. To trample means to step and march upon serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Ephesians 6, this same God saying, Put on the old armor of God that you may be able to stand, right? Put on the element of what? Salvation. The breastplate of what? Righteousness. The belt of what? Truth. The shield of faith. The sword of the spirit. And the, your shoes should be what? The gospel. Preparation of the gospel. So God is saying you will trample upon serpents and scorpions. The power is released through the gospel. Does that make sense? The power is released through the gospel. Jesus puts it this way in, in, in John 15, 16. John 15, 16. Jesus said, I have called you. I have ordained you. You did not choose me. I chose you. I have chosen you to bring forth fruit. Jesus saying, I've chosen you to reproduce. I've chosen you to be fruitful. Why should you reproduce? Why should you be fruitful? So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will do unto you. We can say from that scripture that your spiritual cloud in heaven is directly proportional to how effective you tell God's story or how effectively you've been telling God's story and how you've been connecting people to God. Praise the Lord. So if I bear fruit, if I bear much fruit, I can ask anything and it will be done for me. Jesus said so. So what is God's story? I want to tell this God's story. What is God's story? Now, imagine if you um, 
one of the person that you have been praying for to accept God or to, to come closer to God and all that. Imagine the person calls you up after service today and says to you, you know what, I've been watching you. You know, you've not been condemning me. You don't judge me. You know, you're just nice to me. And I know that you are close to God. In fact, you are coming from church. But I have this major, major challenge in my life and I'm considering following you to church in Easter. Who did you say is coming again? Says Dr. Nuzo, okay, I'm, I think I'll follow you to church. But before I follow you to church, can you explain this whole thing about God and Jesus? Can you explain it to me? It doesn't make sense to me. Can you explain it to me? What would you say? At that point, many people will begin to stammer. Um, 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 um. The Bible. Let me get my Bible. Let's start from Matthew. Oh, my house fellowship used to say, oh, that thing that my pastor used to say, God is not interested in all that. You have to learn to tell God's story yourself. Praise the Lord. And there are different ways of telling God's stories. There are different ways. The simplest I've come across is what is called the bridge. Everybody say the bridge. Understanding this analogy of the bridge is the simplest way you can tell God's story to anybody. What is the bridge? Here goes. I'll tell you the story. God exists. There is a God. I would say there is a God. And there are people. There is a God and there are people. There is a God and there are people. Now, between God and people, there is a gulf. In simple English, there is a gap. There is a space between God and people. And what created that space, that gap, that separation between God and people? is because people like to do things their own way and not God's way. The gap, this gulf between people and God was created because we rebel against God's way. We rebel against God's approaches. God says we should do this, but we as human beings are tendency to rebel is amazing. And that rebellion against God is what the Bible calls sin. Everybody says sin. And that sin has created a gap between you and God. Everybody understand that so far? Simple and straightforward. Now, man has tried for decades and centuries to bridge this gap. Man has tried to bridge this gap. Man has tried several ways to bridge this gap with self-righteousness and everything you can think of. Now, even the best of our righteousness before a holy God is as filthy, is as filthy rags. It's nothing. Man has come up with different systems, religious systems. And different religions have been spawned in an attempt to bridge this gap. In fact, religion is simply man's way to God. That's the simplest definition of religion. What's religion? Man's way to God. 
you must have heard before that Christianity is not religion. It's not. What's Christianity? God's way to man. Totally different. If man has a way to God and God has a way to man, which one can you rely on? God's way to man. Now, to bridge this gap, God sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross so that man can get to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody can come to God except by, by me. So for you to make peace with God, you have to come through who? Through Jesus. That is God's story. Praise the name of the Lord. Can you tell that story? Ask your neighbor. Can you, can you tell that story? Get a response. Everybody can. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, the story again. People and God. There's a gap, a void between people and God. Because of our rebellion, our disobedience. That disobedience, you know why, you know why we are using the term disobedience, rebellion? Because don't assume everybody knows what sin is. That disobedience, that rebellion is what the Bible calls what? Sin. And that's separated between us and God. It's not that God's hands are shot to save us, but the sin has separated us. There is no amount of effort we can make by ourselves that can bridge that gap. There is no amount of effort. There's no religions, religious system that has been formulated that can bridge this gap. None. God himself bridged the gap by sending Jesus and Jesus came and died on the cross to bridge the gap. Praise the name of the Lord. John 5:24 says, "I tell you the truth." John 5:24. I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, for they have already passed, crossed over from death to, to life. That's God's story. Your, your job and my job is to tell the story in a humble way, in a graceful way, in a wise way, in a non-condescending way, to people. So, God has a story. Secondly, you also have a story. You have a story. Say, I have a story. <laughs> because you do. You have a story. A powerful story, for that matter. And your job is to learn how to tell that story. In John chapter 9, in John chapter 9, if you read the whole of John chapter 9 when you get home, it's a very interesting story. There was a man that was born blind. Jesus came, healed the man. The religious leaders came and said, this is a Sabbath day. Oh God, you are not supposed to be healed on the Sabbath day. Can you imagine? Think about that for you. I mean, those guys are just plain dumb. Very daft. Who heals? Is it not God? 
If God chooses to heal on the Sabbath day, they will hold God to the law. <laughs> you are not supposed to be healed. Who healed you? He says, ah, some guy, Jesus, ah, the guy. And the guy began to rave about Jesus. That Jesus guy, I mean, these are my words now. He's so cool. That guy is so powerful. You need to be around him. If, in fact, just staying beside him, you will feel the anointing. And on and on and on. And, on. and they told him, shut up. He's just a sinner. He's an ordinary man. Give glory to God. He's a sinner. He's an ordinary man. Give glory to God. The man said, well, whether he's a sinner or he's not a sinner, that one don't concern me. They think concern me, be say, I for no see before. But now my eye they shine. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You see, people send me all sorts of SMSs about theological debates. Oh, pastor, uh, some guy just is arguing with me. Yeah, the book of Daniel says this. The book of Revelation says that. You know, I'm confused. I said, don't be confused. He is confused. He's trying to confuse you. You don't need to know all those things to be saved. The man said, I don't know whether it is right or wrong. I don't know whether this guy is a sinner or a criminal. But one thing I know, this is my story. I used to be blind, but now I can see. Whereas I was blind, but now I can see. I have friends that say to me that they are animists. Some say to me they are atheists. One said recently that he's a humanist. Doesn't believe in God. Monaim, what's wrong with you? All this religion. I say this is not religion. It's not religion. Whereas I was blind, but now I can see. I say to them, see what Jesus has done in my life. How can you convince me that there is no God? You know, the Bible says, taste and see that who? That the Lord is good. That the Lord is good. I have the orange. I am eating the orange. I'm saying it is sweet. You, you don't have the orange. You have not tasted the orange. And you are telling me the orange does not exist. And it's not sweet. I said, the only way to settle this matter is taste the orange. Chicken, that's, that's the only way to settle this matter. Taste and... They said they don't want to taste, they don't want to taste. You can't know. I said, taste first. If you taste and it's not sweet, then you can... Write all the bloods you want to write. But they are afraid. Because, you know why they are afraid? They are afraid that it might actually be true. God wants you to tell your story. I have a story. You have a story. I was sharing first worship experience. That there was a time that the devil almost killed me. Sickness. I took injections every day for over 40 days. To show you how bad it was. Every single day. Jab, 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 jab. But I cried to Jesus and he healed me. I'm standing here today. I can't remember last time I took any injection. Then you're telling me Jesus was like this. If I slap your face. <laughs> but I will say that too. You are not to say that you have to be what? Kind and humble and gentle and wise. <laughs> you know? What is your own story? You know, this man could say, oh, I used to be blind, but now I can see. This same man could say, I was in darkness, but now I am in the light. This same guy could say, I used to beg. 
but now I can walk. I used to be jobless, but now I have a job. I can't get a job. This same guy could say, in fact, if you read that story, the Bible is just amazing. The people, his neighbors, the guy's neighbors, found him. I said, ah, is he not this guy that used to drive like this Benz? Now he's driving Mercedes Benz. Difference. Praise the Lord. Now, they approached him. Oh, God, what's it happen now? Tell us the gist. He says, ah, now Jesus also. He says, tell us. And he told them, told them, told them. You know what they did? They said, ah, today be Sabbath now. Why Jesus they heal you on Sabbath? Why Jesus bless you on Sabbath? The Bible says they carried him to the Pharisees, his neighbors and his friends. They reported him that see this guy, he was healed on a Sabbath day, punish him. That was the beginning of the, of the questioning. God is going to do in your life things that everybody around you will be jealous. Yes, there's nothing wrong with jealousy. It's a good thing. May you not live a life that nobody's jealous of. <laughs> should, I, should I say that again? So the man had a story. You also have a story. This is before. This is after. This is who I was before I met Christ. This is who I am now. If you don't have a before and after story, if you look at your life, you can be coming to church for donkey years, but if you look at your life, and all you can see is what was and is and promises to be, you need to accept Jesus today. Praise the name of the Lord. Because Jesus changes lives. I mean, I think about my, the day we did the cardboard testimonies. You remember cardboard testimonies? Everybody that came forward had a story. I have a story. You saw my story. And that was just a part of my story. I said in the first special experience, I can write 50 cardboard testimonies. And all of them will be true, they will be unique, and they will be powerful. Why? Because of where God has taken me from. I was speaking with um, one of our ministers a few days ago, and he told me that he was, he was smoking marijuana for 15 years before he surrendered to Jesus. 15 years, I mean. Before he surrendered to Jesus. And when he surrendered to Jesus, Jesus delivered him. Now, before then, he has tried to stop several times. But when he surrendered to Jesus, Jesus delivered him. Now he's a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, for such a person, you cannot say to him that Jesus is your imaginary friend. Really? Praise the Lord. <laughs> there is a before and there is what? And after. Please, let's, let's run through those before and after slides. Just to give you an idea of when you're coming up with your own story, what before and after could be. Could be before I was striving, now I'm grateful. I was self-destructive, now I'm healthy. I was guilty, now I'm liberated. I was fair-streaking, now I'm confident. I was despairing, now I am hopeful. I'm hopeful. Your story may be different, but you have a story. Think about it. You have a story. Praise the name of the Lord. So, I tell God's story. And I tell my story. If your friend comes to you after service today, and tells you, this church thing, I don't understand it. This God thing, I don't understand it. But I've watched you. Can you explain to me? Do you know what to do now? You tell God's story. 
and you tell your story. You tell God's stories and you tell your stories. And watch out for story destroyers. Story destroyer number one, talking too much. Talking too much. Some people, when they go to evangelize, they wear everybody out. Everybody. <laughs> they see someone once and say, you come, come, sit down. You wear everybody out. That doesn't help the cause. Story destroyer number two, lack of clarity. Lack of clarity. You're saying many things, but you're not saying anything. Story destroyer number three. Jargon talk. Jargon talk. Jargon is Christianese. Ah, God will make you like uh, Beola. You will be called Efsiba. What does that mean? <laughs> What's, uh, ah, if you accept Jesus, your name will be transformed to Mephibosheth. All those things don't mean anything. They are jargon talk. Be careful of words that only Christians understand. Sin, for instance, only Christians understand sin. No? Christianese, as they call them. Why? 1 Corinthians 49, the MSG translation, 1 Corinthians 49, MSG translation, the word of God says, if you speak in any, in a way no one can understand, What's the point of opening your mouth? <laughs> if you speak in a way nobody can understand, what's the point of opening your mouth? If you're a pastor, you're preaching, and you preach, 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 you finish preaching, nobody understands anything. What's the point of opening your mouth? You can as well keep it short. Because of no value to anybody. Praise the Lord. Story destroyer number four. Superiority talk. Superior talk. Superior talk. When I used to be like you. When I used to be. Those days. When I was in sin. Like you, like you, like you. And I was perishing. <laughs> That's not <laughs> going to help anybody. I'm praying that we can cause these communities to say that those guys at God's favorite house, they are so, so passionate about God and about Jesus. In fact, the way they tell their story about their God, you want to join them. In fact, I'm going to the church next week Sunday. Say amen. We're going to close with an assignment like we did last week. Last week's assignment, we said, find one person that helped you find God. If that person has gone to be with the Lord, or if you cannot contact the person, find one person that has helped you in your journey with God and thank them. Just send them a text. Thank you for helping me find Christ. How many people did that assignment? Let me see your hands up. Look around, look around. Keep the hands up. Look around. You see? How few? Just put down your hands. What is difficult in that assignment? What's difficult in it? Nothing. You know what the problem is? Christians, we know more, more than what we do. Our knowledge base is higher than our obedience base. That is a formula for trouble spiritually. Because you will be held accountable for what you know. And it will be scaled side by side what you do. So for him that knows what to do, 
You see, us, and that, that's, that's why the, the church has remained ineffective. Why? Because people come on a Sunday, they hear the word of God, and they go, they know what to do, and they don't do it. Not in this place. Praise the name of the Lord. So we are going to give you another week to do that assignment. I'm going to ask you next week. Just say thank you to the person. What if all of them have died? <laughs> Ask the Holy Spirit to show you one person. He will. He will. Praise the Lord. So, the things that used to be and the things that are now, there's usually a crossroad, a turning point, and that is the cross of Calvary. If there's no change, then that change should happen when? Today. The assignment for this week. Are you ready? Please send in by email in a hundred words or less. Please, a hundred words or less. Please. Don't send me two thousand words of stories written in a clear, succinct, humble, simple manner of your salvation story. This is who I used to be. This is what happened. I met Christ. This is who, by the grace of God, I am and I'm becoming. Is that simple enough? Okay. Send me an email. Mail at gfhlive.tv Pastor, are you going to read everything? Yes. I am. Are you going to mark it and give us cause? No. Because every story is a hundred percent. If you have a story, it's a hundred percent. Every story is unique. But what I can do is give you feedback on how to tell the story better. On what to remove and what to include. So be open to some constructive criticism. Praise the name of the Lord. So there has to be a before and an after. The things I used to do, I do them no more. The places I used to go, I go there because there's a great change since I'm born again. The things I used to do. The places I used to go. <laughs> the clothes I used to wear. Mini. I wear them no more. There's a great change since I'm born again. The friends I used to keep. The lies I used to tell. The fight I used to fight. Everybody, let's sing. Great. Sing it. Sing some. If you don't know it, chop mouth. Great change. There's a great change. There's a great change. The movies I used to watch, Pono. The movies I used to watch, Pono. 
the movies I used to watch. God is speaking to somebody. Just listen. <laughs> oh, la la. <laughs> the gossip I used to gossip. The gossip I used to gossip. The gossip I used to gossip. There's a great change inside my Let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. Let's just talk to God. If you're here, you're saying, Pastor, I don't have a before and an after. I want to pray with you, my, my sister. I want to pray with you, my brother. My life has been and is and threatens to be I need this life change. You're welcome. If that's your heart cry, I want to pray with you. You don't need to come forward, but I need to know you are there. You're saying, Pastor, pray with me. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I want to open my life for this great change. That is you, wherever you are seated. That is you. Put up your hand now over your head. God bless you, sir. God bless you, my brother. God bless you. God bless you. Put it up over your head and take a card. Once you have the card, you can put it on your hand. At the gallery, put up that hand now over your head. That is me. Pastor, pray with me. There's no change. I don't have a before and an after. I don't have a before and an after. Online, if you are making this call, God bless you. God bless you. Keep the hands up until you get a card. If you are making this call online, at the gallery you can put up your hand put up that hand well you're making this call online the instructions are on the screen and they're in the chat room that is me put up that hand this is I used to go I got it there's a great change since I'm born again Father, we thank you for everyone that has lifted up their hands and surrendered to you, the giver of life. We ask, according to your word, that you draw them, breathe upon them, cleanse them, and change them. Let your name be glorified. We pray for everyone that has heard your word today. Father, that you empower us to be doers of your word, not errors alone deceiving our own selves. Honor and glory we give unto you, Father. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Praise the Lord.